Hello, listeners. I hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day. I went to the park with Tabletop Tim and we got in a pedlo. The lake was frozen, so we were just sat there pedaling, but it was still a good time. Anyway, thanks to our patrons, especially Hedwig and Carlo. Hello, welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... At the start of each session, roll random on TV tropes five times. You have to work all five of those into the session somehow. So, I am currently getting up the random for five TV tropes. That was not how that sentence goes, but I'm currently getting up the random for five TV tropes. Yeah, I, I have it up, and the first one is bonus material that I got. I'm, I'm not quite sure how you work that one in beyond, like, I don't know, here's a story in the setting I wrote. It doesn't really have much to do with your adventure. I hope yeah, you I think it. what you need to do is you wait for the game to end. And then, like, two days later, you get everyone to your house for what they think is just a normal social interaction. But no, it's you explain the story of Bojangles the Goblin. You've made a little PowerPoint and everything. Well, so you could take it in the other direction. You could take it in the other direction and do, like, a making of. Hmm. Where you just present your players with all of the notes you made while planning the game. And here's more examples of how smart and great I am. Don't you wish you'd encountered this NPC? They sound cool. But instead, you decided to shit around it instead. Here's how the plot would have gone if you'd paid attention to any of my plot hooks. Okay, my next, my next one is Anguish Declaration of Love. It's a bold way to start your RPG campaign. Oh, that's the beginning, is it? Yeah, like you walk in, uh, all your plays are there, and you just sit down and go like, Susie, I've always loved you. And then you just go back to playing the game as if nothing had changed uh, and completely ignore follow-up questions. I like that. That is, that is a power move. Yeah, uh, it's a great way to... Um... So, you know, there's always the worry in games like, uh, games like D&D that you're going to get um, interpersonal conflicts of various kinds, um, mm -hmm. you know. So what you need to do is start it off by just immediately um, making the entire situation as awkward as possible. So if anyone's, like, you know, slightly annoying or slightly self-absorbed, it's hardly noticeable over the fact that you just felt the floor shrieking your undying love for everyone in the room and then just stood up and got yourself a coffee. I can see no way that that wouldn't solve all interpersonal problems in a D&D group. Yeah. The first trope I got was deceased parents are the best. You should maybe not implement this in your RPG group. But On the other hand, 90% of character backstories. Yeah, that is fair. Um, just, just kill off all your, all your older PC's parents if they aren't already dead. They're probably dead already. It's fine. Yeah. The other 10% of backstories are, help, my family members keep coming back to life. I now have seven grandparents. I mean, that would be a fun character. Because what I'm imagining for that character is basically, necromancers have attacked my town, all my relatives hmm. are back, and they're just... The idea, 
A load of rather necromancers. It's a rogue cleric who just won't stop resurrecting your grandma. I feel like the implication of that is also because you can't use it on people who've died of old age. Yeah. So, like, what keeps killing your grandma? Presumably the rogue necromancer. Nick says other tougher grandmas. <laughs> you need to stop this cleric from interfering with the grandma ecosystem. Feels like what? a Reddit post though, doesn't it? Like, help, my grandma joined a fight club. <laughs> Am I the asshole for wanting a cleric to stop resurrecting my weak, puny grandma? <laughs> I, love her, I love her, but honestly, her fighting skills are just not no good in the current grandma meta. I was about to have an interesting idea about, like, a culture that considers people who've been resurrected a form of undead, but that has kind of been swallowed up by uh, the Grandma Fight Club. Yeah, what you do is you... All of the grandmas are ones that died of various unnatural causes, I guess, due to the mechanics of resurrection in D&D. So that's kind of bleak. Um, but and then you bring them all back and make them fight. I guess what you could do is if it was like one of those things where it's like if you don't die in battle you don't go to heaven so all the grandmas who would have died of old age are killed by a dude who fights them and then they come back like just before they die of old age you stab them and then they die of that instead and you can bring them back yeah i can see no flaws in this plan i can imagine a a fantasy culture doing that i'll be honest Hmm. yeah Like, yeah, it's a loophole in the no back from old age um, rule. I'm just really into the concept of Grandma Fight Club, I'll be honest. Like, you know, it gives them something social to do, gets them out of the house. Like, instead of the retirement home, we have the cage pit. (laughs) It's a cage and a pit. Yeah. Like, is it is it a pit with a cage over the top, or is it a pit full of various cages? I mean, like, so a cage pit is a pit with a cage over the top. Okay. But I do like the other option. It's a maze to, like, keep the grandma's mind smart. Because they're keeping strong by fighting each other, but they're also keeping smart by navigating their way through the cages. Ah, combat of the mind. I think we just reinvented chess boxing. I think I think you've profoundly misunderstood chess boxing. Is chess boxing not a cage of the mind? It is. I feel it's not a horde of grandmas beating the shit out of each other while navigating obstacle courses, but to be fair, I've never played it. It is if you make the grandmas do chess boxing. <laughs> it's genius. <laughs> Grandma chess boxing cage fight match. Uh, implement this in your game. Um, you know, I'm sure your players want their grandmas to be involved in the game somehow. See the the, the next Sorry? trip that I got was climb, slip, hang, climb, where you almost fall while climbing something. 
I mean, that is, that is my emotional state during all GMing. I mean, I feel like that's also just a thing that happens in D&D. Like, make me yes. an athletics check. And now yeah, I want I mean, to tell you the story of the character in one of the games I'm running. Okay. Who was like, okay, I will use this 50 feet of rope to abseil down this 200 foot cliff. Um, didn't do well transferring from the rope to the cliff and ended up just dying because that's a lot of falling damage. Yeah, I can I can immediately see a flaw in the plan. Yeah. I just wanted to share that and publicly shame that player. Yeah, get wrecked. I think um, some of that party does listen, so hi. Yeah, the one I got was the aggressive drug dealer. So, you know, a way to supplement your income mid-game. <laughs> If you if you get a natural twenty, uh, you get to buy cocaine off the GM. Yeah, I was imagining it like a slightly tamer version where you just aggressively sell the energy drinks that are in your fridge to your players. I mean, every RPG um, YouTube channel is sponsored by energy drinks, so. Yeah, we're off to a good start. You just open your code. Hey, kids, you want to buy some energy drinks and also play D&D? I am the villain from a bad 90s movie. Um, <laughs> I'm going to play D&D, drink energy drinks and disrespect our parents. So should we do one more trope each and then move on to questions? Because I have lost count. Sounds good. I got public service announcement. So it has to incorporate a moral message into every. So, like, are these like RPG-related public service announcements, where it's like, um, you know, don't cheat on dice rolls or whatever it is, or is this like you just like stop the game every five minutes to discuss fire safety? Like, I like the idea of them just being general ones. Like, yeah, every few minutes you just sort of do the tabletop equivalent of, like, pause the tape here to discuss. Yeah, if you get a natural one, nothing happens in story, but the GM sits down and gives you a very serious talk about drugs. This is while the same aggressive drug dealer is in in play, so you have a very serious talk about saying no to drugs while giving you cocaine. Well, you know, that means you can test the effectiveness of the message. Yeah, you've got two GMs, one of whom is telling you not to do drugs and one of whom is trying to get you to do drugs. And the aim of the game is to do just enough drugs that this terrible campaign is uh, manageable, but not so much that it's a problem. Oh, I know how to solve this one. You ask the other DM. You ask the DM what the other DM would say, right? (laughs) You ask the DM whether the other DM would give you drugs. Um... One GM always lies, one GM always tells the truth, and one GM, GM is high off their tits. And, yeah, one GM always tells the truth, one GM always lies, and they're both just talking about drugs. Yeah, you need to, like, figure out what's happening in the campaign based on the amount, based on, like, the drug metaphors they're using. I see no way this could go wrong. Uh, my last one is retail therapy, which is probably going to be much easier now that you've sold all of your friends' drugs. Uh, we are, we are uh, Pencil and Paper Productions do not advocate selling all of your friends' drugs. Well, no, uh, once you've sold, 
once you've sold all of your friends' drugs, um, yeah, just go buy dice, buy RPGs, bucks, buy more drugs. I mean, Wizards of the Coast are clearly pro-retail therapy with the mm. amount of stuff they're constantly trying to sell you. Yeah, like, you know, have you considered buying all of the things that are on sale now? That was the most generic sentence I've ever said, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> have you considered buying the things that can be brought? Have you considered buying the things that can't be brought? I mean, have you considered buying the things that can be bought is basically every time I open D&D Beyond to check something. Have you considered buying the Tarrasque erotic pin-up calendar? <laughs> I would buy that, though. Let's see how, how it looks. I send erotic Tarrasque art. With its shell off, wink. <laughs> I said that as a joke, but someone is going to send us erotic Tarrasque art now, aren't they? I I 100% believe so. I think we have a new homebrew idea, sexy Tarrasque. <laughs> like, the normal Tarrasque is incredibly physically strong. The sexy Tarrasque is incredibly, like, just really hot. It's like half Tarrasque, half Incubus. Hmm. It's like, if you imagine a Tarrasque as drawn by... um a bunch of cishet uh, graphic designers told to make it clear this character is a female. Yeah. So it's bright pink, it has long eyelashes, and it has massive tits. See, now my brain is just combining Jessica Rabbit and a tardigrade, and I wish it wouldn't. I mean, you know, that is also a character you could have. In fact, that is my next character. Like, I'm really glad I'm probably not running the next game you're in. Because, like, so you can't kill a tomb and you can't kill a tardigrade. And, like, the few weaknesses the two of them have will presumably uh, cancel out. So you'll be completely immortal. You can kill a tardigrade by firing it from a gun. And yeah, you but you can't kill, kill a And tomb. you can kill a tomb with the dip. Yeah, but so you can't you kill a tardigrade with the dip and you can't kill a tomb by firing it from a gun. Dip water pistol. Hmm. I think you'd have to put the tune in the water pistol and then fire them. Yeah. Okay. Still, this is still pretty immortal. Yeah, if that's the one way you can be killed, I think functionally immortal. Hmm. It's the one way I can be killed, yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like... So what we have is this, this game... Where everyone's on drugs and trying mm -hmm. to sell drugs. Uh, is the Grandma Cage fighting in game or in session? Like, I think it's in game. I think it's in game, but also you do have to fight your grandma as you play. And also, like, the DM is in love with someone and very loud about it. Yeah, the DM is loudly declaring every time you roll a natural 20, the DM loudly declares their love for you and proposes to you. Um, this that just happens. That's just a thing you have to deal with. Uh, combat uh, mechanical resolution is based on fighting your grandma. Um, roll a natural one if your grandma kicks your ass. If you want to do any sort of check, you have to beat your grandma at it. Yeah, probably like, fine with physical stuff. Good luck beating beating the beating her on history. Good luck beating your grandma on seduction. 
<laughs> this would be a really worrying way to learn your grandma's really good at seduction. I mean, most grandmas have had sex at least once. Yeah, presumably. I'm just going to leave that thought out there. Like as, like, as things get more difficult or, like, easier, you can sort of choose from a um, more or less physically capable old lady. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be your grandma. It just has to be a grandmother. Yeah, that's why we have the cages. They're just full of grandmas. Um, and it can be like, yeah, this grandma's really, really strong. So for strength-based checks, uh, you, you have to use this grandma if it's a difficult check. Or you use this grandma who's just, like, a little old skeleton woman. You do take psychic damage whenever you pick someone that isn't your own grandma, though. Yeah. From your grandma, like, sadly um, whimpering from her cage. Yeah. You also um, do, do take psychic damage if you don't release your grandma from her cage. So, before we move on to questions, uh, we mentioned Homebrew. We have a Patreon. Um, Patreon.com slash ideas. If you want to send us a question or horny to ask fan art, you can email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at badprobably or Tumblr at probablybadrpgideas. So questions. Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are, I don't know. So our first question is anonymous. Do you prefer the Pathfinder or the D&D Goblins? I have a sneeze. Um, I prefer I prefer the uh, Pathfinder goblins. So, for people who don't know, D and D goblins are your kind of like murderous horde. They show up and they kill a bunch of people because they're dicks. Mm -hmm. uh, they're orcs, but smaller and sneakier, whereas orcs are more like. Hit you I think swamping is the word I would use for orcs. Yeah. Orcs will run over and whack you, whereas goblins will run over and sneak up behind you and then whack you. Uh, Pathfinder goblins are essentially wacky pranksters who are unaware that what they're doing is killing people. They have no sort of self-control or ability to like predict the consequence of their actions, other than it would be fun for a given building to be on fire now. Um, so and part they're, of the they're toddlers with access to weapons and magic. Huh? So they're toddlers with access to weapons and magic. Essentially, yes. Uh, imagine a bunch of toddlers, except they are like the size of a human 
and they have magic and the sword. Um, and they just form little toddler armies running around doing chaos. And I love them. I recognise they killed... fun. I do I recognize... want to address the implication that you did there that toddlers are not humans. I said human-sized, I think. You said uh, the size of a human, but also toddlers are human. So they are human-sized by definition. That is true. Uh, no, I'm going to double down. Uh, toddlers are not the size of a human. Um, you don't like you don't become a human until you go for your chrysalis at like six. Sure. I, ass I assume my experience is a universal. Yeah, I like the idea of like. One of my characters in one of my campaigns is a goblin who has what is referred to in goblin um, circles as boring nerd disease, which is a condition where you can like consider the consequence of your actions and not act on every impulse that pops into your head. Um, Spectacular. Yeah, they are. They are searching. They are like you know. They are living with it. They are working on filing taxes. Someone has to. Yeah, I, I was just... really hoping you were going to say they're working on a cure. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, yes. Eventually, day two will, like, just throw an entire ferret at someone. But yeah, D&D &D goblins are just, yeah, a generic, are just another horde. Pathfinder goblins are, you can have a perfectly civil conversation with them until they decide they would like to put a pigeon in your mouth. Do you feel and, like that, that is a problem with, like, quite a lot of D&D monsters, I think, that they just kind of exist to be punched? Yeah, like... I think Pathfinder puts, puts more thought into how they actually function within the world. Yeah, like, I mean, Orcs are, you know, the classic one of, like, this species exists entirely to fill up evil hordes and... You know, that's it. And that is a lot to address. Yeah. We will not be getting into, like, the full orc discourse here. Just be aware there is a lot of orc discourse out there. Uh, there's a lot of drow discourse out there now, too. Everyone's angry about everything. I mean, I think just a blanket statement, we do not support the idea of... of, of race of, of sentient creatures being entirely evil. Yes, so there we go. We are firmly pro-Orc. But yeah, I think... I feel like they have tried to address it a bit, because you at least have goblins with a slightly more interesting abilities. Yeah. But they, they still don't really have much of a, a social structure or life outside of the Horde. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is sort of the problem with D&D generally being um, ultimately um, much more made for game than made for, like, immersion. Mm. You know, it doesn't really matter where the orcs come from or what they want as long as you can hit them with rocks. I guess this is why homebrew settings are so popular. 
Yeah. Although I did. So I was I was reading through a thing online about uh, comedy among different races, well, different species. Um, and it mentioned orcs. Um, I think it was meant to say that orcs uh, liked misogynistic jokes because, you know, they're evil. But instead, because of a typo, what it said is that orcs were strongly opposed to um, bigoted jokes. And I liked the idea of orcs being like all the evil raiders, but like scrupulously pro-social justice um, rewarding raiders. I like that. Like, I really they like would... that. Like they're, they're pro-war, but not because they think anyone is inferior. They just yeah. love fighting. They, will, they, they check your pronouns before they decapitate you, that kind of thing. I believe the phrase is diversity win. Yeah, diversity win. The orc army uh, that burnt your house down used your pronouns while they did so. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I support them. So uh, our second question is from Crational Thinker. How big do you think a sword needs to be before you consider it comically oversized? Like, is there a difference between a Claymore and Cloud Strife sword? I think you know, if I've often wondered this. Yeah. I think if your sword, like, if it starts reaching a point at which your sword is welding you, then you might have an issue. Yeah, I think I think you can get away with claymores because they're kind of, they're just a scaled up version of a regular sword. Yeah. Whereas Cloud Strife's sword is just, here is a piece of steel with the same dimensions as my body. Hmm. I'm well, I think somehow going... going to expertly swing it now. Yeah, like, I think if your sword is sort of approaching the same size as you, you maybe need less sword. Uh, although, if your sword is approaching the same size as a toddler, it is still technically human-sized and therefore oversized? Who knows? I think it's just kind of like, you know, you get longbows, which are as long as a person is tall. Yeah. You do get, you could have a comically oversized one in like an anime or something, which is even bigger than that. Yeah. Oh, so so my maybe, mind... maybe that is the line. It's just no taller than you. Yeah. Although my mind did just jump to wide bow as a weapon. And crossbow? I'm not entirely sure. Huh? Crossbow. No, because like a cross, I don't mean like a crossbow. What I mean is a normal bow, except it's also as wide as a human. Like the oh, like the stave, the stave is wide. Yeah, that would that would be non-functional, and I kind yeah. of love it as a fantasy weapon. It is, it is completely useless as a weapon because essentially what you have is a table with like a bit of string tied to it. Um. Magic item idea. A bow that could be in no way functional and is enchanted, but only to make it work. It doesn't do any extra damage or anything. It's just enchanted is, to be a functional bow. Yeah, this bow. is my white bow, which is enchanted to ignore physics just enough to be a valid weapon. Because there's no way for the bow to actually get through the stave, because it's... As... Well, the... The arrow doesn't go through the stick, it goes around it. Yeah, that's what I meant. It, actually, in this case, it would have to go through. You could have, like, a little slit in it. 
You could, or you could just like, you know, get good. What just... I'm imagining now is like, you know, the arrow slits in castle walls. Yeah. Just a plank with an arrow slit in it, and then you have to shoot through it. Like what I've invented is shield that could also double as an offensive weapon, but only badly. Unless it's enchanted. Yeah. Magic is great because it means my ridiculous ideas can work really well. See next, my my wide sword, or club as they're sometimes called. I mean, wide sword is just cloud stripe sword. Yeah. I think yeah. There are some great potential weapons here. What I want to see is like a claymore being wielded by a hobbit. That that would be getting getting towards Final Fantasy proportions, I think. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, it's like, you know, relative. Whereas if a giant has a claymore, they're just like, you know, using it as a dagger. But could you could you move things in the other direction as well? Like, this is my shortest sword. No, it's not a dagger, it's a very short sword. Hmm. Like, you know, knives are just very short swords. I think, is a knitting needle a very short sword? I think more of a short javelin, because it's only got the point at the end. I mean, you know, like a rapier. Possibly. I bet you can get knitting needles with sword pommels on the end. Yeah. Like, I suddenly you know, really it means that when you're, when you're knitting, eventually fights back. No, wait, because this would be useful, because when you do have to fight grandmas... You have a pre-done weapon while knitting. Um, what so if they start... also have the knitting needle swords? Uh, I mean, that makes it a fair fight. Uh, and that's when you bring out your wide bow. Um... <laughs> so we've got long bow. We've got wide bow. What about deep bow? Explain deep bow. Um, so you got like a standard long bow. Mm-hmm. And the wooden thing just reaches directly up to your face. <laughs> so it's um, a door with some string. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's essentially just like a log that you've put string on one end of, and now you are holding the log. Um, there are three archers: one with a long bow, one with a wide bow, and one with a deep bow. And <laughs> you need you need to get past them and figure out which one sells you drugs which one's going to knock on you and which one has figured out how to use an actual weapon <laughs> um uh, this is the ultimate logic puzzle send in uh, your proposed solutions one always lies one always tells the truth and one hits you with a wide bow <laughs> i think that is the point to end the episode Yep. Uh, like we said, there is a Patreon, probably bad RPG ideas, if you want homebrew, which generally make more sense than the wide bow, although I may create the wide bow at some point. Um, there's a Discord server where we talk about RPGs and sometimes play one-shots. And bonus episodes. So thank you for listening, and, and remember to have a probably day. bad day. <laughs>